Welcome to Faith Life 365, episode number 25. My name is Tim Hardison. Thank you for joining me. Now, if you've missed any of the past uh, episodes, uh, go back and uh, listen and get caught up with us. Also visit the website, www.faithlife365.org. Uh, we have the blog there. You can click on the video links for YouTube and Rumble, uh, as well as a podcast if you prefer to listen. And uh, so give that a give that a look. And uh, so today we're going to jump back in and continue talking about the power of our spoken word. Now let's say a prayer and, and we're going to get started. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear as we study your word. Father God, give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Grow our faith now as we read and study your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. The words we speak are powerful. The words we speak have meaning. The words we speak create, and the words we speak can give comfort and love, or they can cause harm and injury. The words we speak have far-reaching consequences. Now, we have been talking about the power of our spoken words as they relate primarily to how we speak to or about others. But what effect do our words have on our own lives, uh, both physically and spiritually? What kind of power is really in our spoken word? So now, if you recall, in episode 24, we read Matthew chapter 12, verses uh, 36 through 37 of the New Living Translation. Um, and I will tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Now, we also said that the word idle is translated from the Greek word argos. Uh, Strong's Concordance defines the uses of argos as idle or lazy, thoughtless, unprofitable, and injurious. So just from this scripture, we know that our words will have a direct effect on us spiritually as we will account for them at that uh, the day of judgment. Now, as Christians, who and what are we? Uh, what changes take place in us when we accept Jesus? Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27 of the English Standard Version. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we know that man was originally created in God's image. Adam and Eve were created in the righteousness of God, pure without sin. They were in the Garden of Eden. No thorns, no briars, no weeds, no curse. Plenty of food to eat and water to drink. Nothing to fear. God would visit. He would walk and fellowship with them in the garden. And then Adam sinned and brought spiritual and physical death to mankind. And we know that Jesus came in the flesh. He was beaten. He was nailed to a rugged tree, to the cross. And he died for our sins and our transgressions. He became the curse for us, healing us by his stripes and his wounds. But on the third day, he arose victorious over death and hell. 
Jesus was raised from the dead, becoming the firstborn among many believers, so that those who believe on him and confess with their mouth that he is the Son of God, risen from the dead, and that he is their Lord and Savior, shall be saved and reborn in spirit and have eternal life. Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30 of the Amplified, it says, For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification, so that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, uh, in the Amplified, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature." reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 of the Amplified, it says, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 of the Amplified, For you who are born again have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are all children of God set apart for his purpose, with full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union with Christ, the anointed, have clothed yourselves with Christ. That is, you have taken on his characteristics or characteristics and values. Clearly, without question, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been reborn recreated into a new spirit in Christ Jesus. The old man, the old spirit's dead and gone. It was crucified with Jesus on the cross. You are now a recreated spirit, a new creature. Now, you know, some may say, okay, that is awesome. But what does that have to do with the power of the spoken word? Start thinking and meditating about who and what you as a Christian really are. You've been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are children of God set apart for his purpose with full rights and privileges through faith in Jesus Christ. Again, you have full rights and privileges through faith in Jesus Christ. Keep thinking and meditating on who and what you are and let that sink down into your spirit, into your inner being. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, the English Standard. Now you are the body of Christ and individually your members of it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 of the Amplified. 
And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers and representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers who shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. So that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind, shifting doctrine or doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit, but speaking the truth, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing his truth. Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly uh, together by that every joint supplies, when each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. Now, out of the scripture, I want to emphasize, but speaking the truth in love, in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things unto him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. We, the body, are to follow the example of Christ, who is the head. Let's, let's look at uh, some examples that he gave us. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11 of the Amplified. When Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after he had gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus replied, It is written, and forever remains written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city, Jerusalem, and placed him on the pinnacle, the highest point of the temple. And he said mockingly to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to serve, care for, protect, and watch over you. For they will lift you up on their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, On the other hand, it is written, and forever remains written, You shall not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory, splendor, magnificence, and excellence of them. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go away, Satan, for it is written and forever remains written, 
You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and ministered to him, bringing him food and serving him. We see in this early example that Jesus, he did not rely on his own thoughts or feelings to respond to Satan. He didn't rely on the flesh. He was tired and he was hungry. His body was weak. He'd been on a 40-day fast. That 40 days with only water and no food, the body's reaching its breaking point. Uh, I know you can live for longer than 40 days with just water, but after 40 days of only water and no other food or nutrition, your organs can begin to shut down. You can imagine the weakness and fatigue uh, your physical body would feel after that long without food. Now, Jesus, however, though weakened, he remained focused on the word of his Father. He didn't waver. He didn't entertain a discussion or start talking, giving reasons uh, for or about anything. He matter-of-factly quoted the Scripture, the Word of God. He spoke the Word of God, used the words. And when he spoke his words, his words were his Father's words. Now, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22, it amplified. You have heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be guilty before the court. But I say to you that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice against him shall be guilty before the court. And whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother, Raka, you empty-headed idiot, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of the fiery hell. Now, in this passage, Jesus is talking about speaking and acting towards others in anger or hate speaking uh, contemptuous and insulting words, well, that falls in the category uh, as using idle or lazy, thoughtless, unprofitable, and injurious words. The word fool uh, is translated from the Greek word uh, moros, it's M-O-R-O-S, and helps word studies defines it as the root of the English term moron, moronic, properly dull, insipid, flat, without an edge, figuratively, mentally inert, dull in understanding, nonsensical, moronic, lacking a grip on reality, acting as though brainless. Now, Jesus pointed out that anyone speaking out of anger and hate, calling someone a fool or a moron, is in danger of fiery hell. Jesus takes the use of words very seriously. And why is that? Jesus knows that the words we speak are powerful and they have meaning. Jesus knows that we one day will also answer for the words that we use in this life. Now, sadly, uh, we often don't realize the impact that our words have. Uh, even, even when we're just joking around and kidding around, the words coming from our mouth are still being recorded in heaven, and we will still one day answer for them. Now, Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. See, Jesus was speaking to the Jewish people who were at that time under the law of the Old Covenant. Now, we are now under the New Covenant, but just the same, Jesus is teaching us 
to repent for our sins. In this case, use uh, our, our, you know, our use of harmful words, rather, and be reconciled with anyone who has anything against us first. Then bring our offenses and gifts to God. Otherwise, our offerings and gifts uh, will not be accepted or credited to us. Now, I, I know it has far-reaching uh, as far as our sins and repenting for all of our sins. In this case, I'm, I'm speaking primarily about our spoken word and, and the words that we speak uh, and, and the effect that it has on us. So it's important to understand that Jesus did not always speak words coated with sugar and dripping with honey. Now, we know in the scriptures that on more than one occasion, uh, Jesus called out the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus always spoke truth. Now, sometimes the truth hurts or it stings. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, truth often hurts or stings uh, when it's being pointed out to us because we're not living in truth. So when we speak truth to someone, there's a difference between speaking facts and truth out of anger and hatred and speaking facts and truth out of love and concern or love and compassion. So what's the motive behind pointing out someone's shortcomings or speaking our truths? Uh, are, are we doing it because we're angry with them and, and uh, we happen to know something about them that though it's true, we know is going to hurt them? So are, are we speaking it out of anger and, and an attempt to hurt? Or are we truly concerned about an individual and speaking to them out of love and concern? We're trying to help lift them up out of a bad place uh, or show them uh, something that's in their life that, that's going to harm them, that needs to be corrected. Huge difference in motives, right? So our words can cause harm and injure, or they can lift and comfort. So Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 20 of the Amplified Version says, Listen carefully. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Have no self-serving agenda. Beware of men whose nature is to act in opposition to God, for they will hand you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be brought before the governors and kings for my sake, as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you within that very hour, for it is not you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. In John chapter 12, verses 47 through 50 of the Amplified, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge and condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but to save the world. Whoever rejects me and refuses to accept my teachings has one who judges him. The very word that I spoke will judge and condemn him on the last day. For I have never spoken on my own initiative or authority, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment regarding what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. So the things I speak, I speak in accordance with his exact instruction, just as the Father has told me. These are powerful scriptures for us to take heed and learn uh, from the words of Jesus. Now, Jesus 
says, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you within that very hour, for it is not you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And for I have never spoken on my own initiative or authority, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment regarding what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life, so the things I speak, I speak in accordance with his exact instruction, just as the Father has told me. So remember earlier, I said to just let, let it sink in as to who you are, who we are in Christ Jesus. You are a recreated spirit in Christ Jesus. We are, all Christians. We are the body of Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So who is in control? Are we in control? Are you in control? Who's doing all the talking? Are, are you doing the talking? Am I doing the talking? Or are we listening for the Father's voice and letting the Father speak through us? In Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 20, I know that Jesus was speaking to the disciples, telling them he was, he was sending them out to do these works. But he was also speaking to all of us who were a part of the uh, body of Christ. So let's look at verses 21 through 23. Brother will betray brother to death, and the father his child, and the children will rise up and rebel against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by everyone because of your association with my name. But it is the one who has patiently preserved and endured to the end who will be saved. When they persecute you in one city because of your faith in me, flee to the next. For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, you will not finish going through all the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, we know that Early, the early disciples, they were not able to go through or evangelize all the cities of Israel because of the persecution of the early Christians and because of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem around 70 or in 70 A.D. Now, at that time, the Israelites were once again scattered, and they remained scattered until 1948, and Israel became a nation again, and the end-time clock started ticking again, and it's final countdown now to the return of Christ, which means we also know that the Son of Man has not yet returned. Though I believe soon and very soon he will, but nonetheless, we can know that Jesus was speaking to all of us Christians, his body, giving us instruction until his return. So my hope and desire is that you're, you're seeing yourself more and more as recreated uh, a recreated spirit in Christ Jesus, um, as the body of Jesus seated in the heavenlies at the right hand of God Almighty, that, that you're even more aware that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, that we are called to speak the truth in love in all things, that our words are powerful, that when we speak contemptuous, insulting, idle, lazy, thoughtless, and unprofitable and injurious words, uh, we're not speaking as a Christian in the body of Jesus Christ. We are speaking the words of the evil one. Jesus uh, would, would most likely phrase it as, you are speaking of your father, the devil. Now, I know many of my words 
have often fit in this category. Um, it hurts deep in my heart as as I think back of many many of the past situations and many of the the words that I've used in various situations and circumstances. Um, I have no doubt. Uh, I, well, there is absolutely no doubt. I mean, I've hurt people, uh, including those that I love most, with my irresponsible words. Um, and that truth hurts. It hurts deep inside. But, you know, I mean, I sit back now and I just I praise God that we have Jesus as our advocate and our mediator. And God is just to forgive us our sins and our transgressions. And, and he, he'll cleanse us uh, from all unrighteousness when we come before him and repent of our sins. Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 of the English Standard Version. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, think on and dwell on uh, who you are, who we are in Christ Jesus, and who is speaking when we speak. Are we speaking of the flesh? Are we just lashing out and saying things and speaking things idly? Or are we allowing Christ to speak through us. The word says, from the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaketh. Are we speaking God's word? Is God's word and truth in the abundance of our heart? Or are we just speaking? Let that sink in. Think about that. Meditate on that. And that's all for this episode. Uh, we're still, we're not finished talking about the power of of our spoken word. So I asked if you join me in episode number 26, we're going to continue on this topic and we're going to keep going deeper into it. And I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.